Well, I have one that family members say all the time that drives me nuts, which is it is what it is. <laughs> Like, I feel like people apply that to everything. And what does that really mean? <laughs> Welcome. I'm your host, Dino Cattaneo, and you're listening to Authentic Leadership for Everyday People, the podcast where we investigate the connection between effective leadership and authenticity. If you're looking for inspiration and tips on how to become a better leader by being your true self, you're in the right place. The voice you just heard in the intro is the voice of Kim Driscoll, who made history last November, when Massachusetts elected for the first time two women to the post of governor and lieutenant governor. Kim was elected lieutenant governor. I was lucky enough to interview her a couple of months before the primaries, and we spent a lot of time discussing what it takes to be a good leader in civil service. Now, the bit that you heard, however, was the answer to my favorite question of the podcast. What is the business cliche or jargon or expression that drives you crazy? You may be wondering why you heard that. Well, the answer is pretty simple. In the past two years, as you may recall, I had used the 4th of July episode to present the answers from the year before. However, since June of last year, the podcast has gone to a weekly cadence, which means that a single episode is not enough for all the answers. So... Today, taking advantage of the Memorial Day holiday in the U.S., I am presenting you part one of the third annual Business Jargon That Drives Us Crazy episode. You will hear all the people who answered the question between July and December of 2022. On July 4th, you will hear part two, which will feature all the people who answered the question in the first six months of 2023. Hopefully, these answers will inspire you to go and listen to some of the episodes you have missed. Enjoy. We're going to start by going back to episode 57 with Jackie Indrizano, who had a whole bunch of words that she was not happy with, including one that was already mentioned by Kim Driscoll. Oh, one that just goes through me. I hate it. Oh, it is what it is. No, it is what it is. It's a big cop out. It's usually uttered by people who need to retire because they have zero interest in progress and they weren't listening to anybody in the first place. So I hate it is what it is. I can't stand that. I don't also understand this new one. Well, I know what it is, but the new normal, I get what people are alluding to with the new normal, but that word normal has never been something that's ever been part of me personally, because I don't really know what normal is, because I don't think any of us are normal. I think we're all abnormal, which makes us all super interesting. So the new normal can go away. And then I don't know that this is not really a phrase, but I don't like the thought of canceling people and things. I think there's a better way of doing things. If you don't understand conflict negotiation, maybe read a Dan Goldman book, maybe go read the emotional intelligence book. Canceling people is just, again, a big cop out or somebody admitting that they don't want to hear somebody else's side and then come in the middle and kind of mediate a good conversation. So these are the things, or think outside of the box. I'll just end with that. I've never even been in a box. I don't even know what that means. Think outside of the box. You shouldn't be in a box in the first place because that confines things. If you're living in four squares, like four parts that make a square, you should really get out of that box and set yourself free. So <laughs> those are the things. 
It Is What It Is was not the only thing mentioned by Jackie that was also not liked by other guests. Here is Matt Sawyer from episode 46. What the one that I've been hearing a lot um, lately is this, this idea of the new normal. And so for me, it's like, well, what is normal? You know, nothing is ever normal. And even before, you know, we're in a constant change and situations are changed and nothing is. And maybe it's just this idea of, you know, maybe this hyper, you know, event, the COVID event that just put a microscope on things that had to change, but everything is constantly changing. So I don't know, this new normal just, you know, that one really bothers me. Okay, so now we're going to take a little twist and go to Ariel Nissenblatt in episode 59, who tackled one of the stereotypes that are used when talking about podcasts. That podcasts are an intimate medium. Expand. Yes. A lot of people love to say, oh, podcasts, the reason that they're so great is because they're so intimate, because you really get to hear from your favorite hosts and you get to have a window into their lives. Yeah, that's true. I just hear it so much that I'm bored. (laughs) Find another word. Okay, for the next couple of guests, uh, we're going to have guests who talked about topics of self-perception, public perception, and we start by going back to episode 64, Will Reynolds. Fake it till you make it. It's just inauthentic because the whole world, I feel like the whole business world is a bunch of people faking it, you know, and that's my, that's my whole shtick is, you know, I'm just super real about like my wins, my losses, and I am just extremely turned off by the state of how business just operates from a like, dude, just like fake it till you make it. Well, how about you actually do it? You know, because I don't want people faking it until they make it with me. If I buy your service, if I buy your product, I don't want you to be like, well, we knew it was kind of shit, but we rolled it out anyway because we were faking it until we made it. It's like, no, I'd like, I'd like a product that worked. You know, imagine you bought your phone and it didn't work right. You'd be like, and they, and they said, oh, well, we faked it till we made it. And it's like, I'm a strong believer in, I don't ever want to be putting out in the world things that I wish didn't come back to me. And if I faked it until I made it, then every other device that I use that I buy, my cameras, my laptops, my microphones, it all would be some fake it till you make it shit, which means it wouldn't work well. So why would I put out in the world something that I don't want to happen to me? In episode 66, Judy Fox talked about something that may be considered the exact opposite of the fake it till you make it syndrome. I would say the first one that's coming up for me is imposter syndrome. And the reason why it drives me crazy is because it puts the blame on that person without recognizing all of the impacts that society can have, the systemic issues that are happening in this world. And I will give you an example. I just, I'm speaking in an event coming up. It's a very big event. It could have maybe 2,000 people in the audience listening to me, which I think is huge and I'm excited for it. And one of the, and this is hard to talk about because it just happened. One of the sponsors removed all the images of women speaking at this event. They left the images of the men and they removed all the women. And because of their... I won't even describe why, but when I think about imposter syndrome, that is not recognizing that I literally am facing being deleted sometimes, being less than, being told by removal of my image that I should not exist as a woman speaker on stage. And that to me is shocking that it still happens, but I cannot listen to somebody telling me that I have imposter syndrome. So delete that. (laughs) And then the second word is limiting beliefs. 
you're the only one that knows your beliefs and what you're thinking about. And I think that's just triggering language to make you want to buy whatever the person is trying to sell you. And we're going to close this little loop about public perception, going back to episode 56 with Ronell Richard, who talks about his pet peeve about a public perception of a specific group of professionals. The overall cliche salesperson as the fast talking liar <laughs> doesn't tell the truth, not about relationships, just about just trying to screw people over. It's just it's so far from the truth. Does that exist? Absolutely, it exists, right? But those are not successful salespeople. They're not like, and the, the successful sellers are people that build relationships. Okay, for the next expression, Tanya Montella in episode 51 talks about an expression that I'm pretty sure a lot of you hear on a regular basis. You're actually probably hearing it so much that you're not even paying attention to it. The one that comes to mind is just... <laughs> is circle back. I mean, I don't know why it just every time I hear it, it's like, you could say anything you could say, I'll, I'll follow up with you or, you know, one thing to just go back to the topic we had before, but just circle back. I don't know why. <laughs> it's something so simple and so harmless. But for me, I don't know, I feel that we can find a better way to phrase that. <laughs> In episode 50, Zenica Chatman also covered a couple of things that are pretty common in corporate life. The first one, I don't know if it's really an expression, it's more of a behavior that can and should be improved. And the second one is another fairly common expression that we use a lot. So I do. I'm going to share two. One is I hate the notion of so-and-so is just so-and-so. I feel like that is when it's like we are giving up on the culture that we want to create and we are just allowing this person to mess up our culture and we're okay with it because we don't want to have the uncomfortable conversation of letting them know that their behavior is really no longer going to be tolerated. So that's probably my top one. I think my second one is I really hate when like after a meeting, people say we're going to give you five minutes back. It's like time is not really yours to give. And two, this whole meeting could have been an email anyway. So you're not really helping me with this five minutes. But I hate this notion of people like, oh, I'm going to gift you time back as if it was theirs to give in the first place. In episode 52, Jimmy on tackled one that is, I think, a fairly common corporate buzzwords these days. And he really shows how a word that should have been good and had positive value at the beginning gets misused and mistreated until it becomes something that's actually negative. Engagement. In particular, I'll bring it back to something I mentioned earlier, the Maslach burnout inventory, which is the gold standard for measuring burnout, says the opposite end of burnout of that spectrum is engagement. And I don't agree. I think engagement has gotten twisted into something that causes people to burn out. We encourage engagement. And I, I, that was one of mine was I worked for this company where the more you could do, the more you could be recognized. And I was fully engaged in my work to the detriment to myself personally. And so I, I think engagement is a really slippery and dangerous term. Okay, we're going to stick for the next buzzword with something that has also been extremely popular in the past few years. And it's also another situation where 
the word gets thrown around and everybody thinks that they want debt. But when you really think about the implication of what that means, it's something that maybe we should want a little less of. Here is Scotty Hall from episode 44. Let's see. <laughs> I hate with a, just a distaste the word disruption. So let's be disruptors. Uh, no, let's not. I think that there are disruption that needs to take place. But I also believe that disruption has collateral, collateral damage. So I just dislike the, the, the phrase disruption. Let's be a disruptor. And sticking with the theme of, is this something that we really want for ourselves and our team? Here is Christina Wallace with a really astute observation from episode 55. The idea that anyone can give 110%. Not only is that not possible, it's just not possible. We have 100%. That's, that's the max. But the notion that anyone can or should operate at, at their max level at 100% for any sustained period of time is just not healthy. And, and I quote research in the book from the world of operations management. You may remember this from your, your days in the HBS classroom, where they teach you that sort of best practice for a factory, for a manufacturing line, is operating at about 85% capacity. So you're leaving space for routine maintenance, for mess-ups, for do-overs, for emergencies, urgent orders that have to get done. You're leaving space for life to happen without putting everything under stress. If you try to run a factory at 100% capacity, the whole thing will break down, your employees will burn out, people will get hurt, and instead of having routine maintenance, you will have emergency maintenance, which costs a lot more. So I would like to propose everyone start adopting the mindset of 85% is your sort of day-to-day -day contribution. And when you need to spike to 90 or 95, or 99, you've got the space to do it. But 110 is just BS. The next word has been one of the most abused buzzwords in the past few years. And maybe in picking it a few months ago in episode 58, Cinti Gallup had been a little prophetic given the recent announcements by Meta. Metaverse. And honestly, you know, I would direct everybody to James Watley's brilliant Metaverse, What Metaverse talk, which you can find if you follow me on LinkedIn. I posted about his talk uh, very recently because I was booked to speak to Worldwide Partners, the advertising reverse agency holding company, wonderful model, um, check them out. Um, but they held a global summit in Amsterdam the week before last. And so they booked me to speak there. And James also spoke at the same event. And everybody should watch his Metaverse What Metaverse talk, because you will see why I loathe the term Metaverse. And very ironically, and I told him this when I saw him in Amsterdam, when Facebook rebranded as Meta, I bought the URL MetaverseWhatMetaverse.com. So James and I are clearly on the same wavelength. Um, we share the same level of skepticism. Um, but um, nobody can explain better why this is my most loathed buzzword currently than James's talk. So I recommend everybody to watch it. One of the interesting things that happened in uh, when I asked the question about buzzword is that sometimes we start with a buzzword, but we end up 
with an answer that really talks about how a certain leader wants to operate. And that is definitely the case with the insights provided by Wayne Markman in episode 53. I mean, so many, you know, leverage your core competencies and synergies and uh, it's all bullshit. Uh, the one that really makes me mad is uh, it's really complicated. It, 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 that's just bullshit. Nothing is so fucking complicated. If, if it's complicated, it means you don't have clarity of thought and you don't know where you're going. Business is actually easy. It's getting people to do what you want them to do. That's really hard. I guess that goes back to your point about being the, uh, the glue, the master of ceremonies. Um, it's nothing is that complicated. If it's complicated, you don't know what you're asking for or the person has no idea what they're saying. So when I hear it's complicated, I literally it's a red flag to me at that stop. Right, everyone here is not on the same page. It's actually really simple. We're trying to make this device for $500, not $600. And there are a couple of levers, and this is what we're going to do. So why is it that complicated? People complicate things. Things are not inherently complicated. So that, that drives me mental. The other one is the problem is. I hate hearing the problem is. I, I just don't want to be told the problem and the obstacles. Tell me when it's done. Hence my comments about a startup CEO. <laughs> okay, we only have a few more to go. And, you know, in the show, I talked to a lot of founders or people that are involved with startups. So it was only natural to expect that there would be a lot of comments that relate specifically to startup culture, high tech culture. And so we're going to close with a number of those. I'm going to start with Aaron Sharoni from episode 48. I don't know if it's an expression, but I think I mentioned this earlier, is this like the hustle culture. I just hope that mentality goes away. And that's not, you know, I am, I'm not first person to say that. There are many, many intelligent people speaking on podcasts who have driven that home. That is not to say that I don't think hard work is important. Not at all. As we've discussed, I have worked really, really hard, sometimes to the detriment of my, my personal life, um, which is not good. But this idea that you should devote every waking hour to the pursuit of your career as a goal is insanity. And it is a recipe for unhappiness. I recently listened to uh, Arthur Brooks on Rich Roll's podcast, which is, you know, is phenomenal interview. And, and I just think everyone should check that out because Arthur's got some real great insight. I, you, you may know him from Harvard Business School, but man, you better get your priorities straight. And so hard work is important. but that cannot be the be-all, end-all. And I would never, ever in a million years ask anyone who was working for me or with me to drop everything else that was important to them and to prioritize only work. Sometimes that's necessary when there's a crisis or you know, a real big project, but that can't be it. You're not taking that to the grave with you. And that's become clearer and clearer to me the older that I get. And the best companies and why I'm so happy where I am now are the companies that understand that and that allow their employees to prioritize uh, a variety of needs. And that actually makes people more productive and it makes them want to work harder. In episode 60, Laura Cesaro talked about the world obsession with startups. 
one I mentioned and is everything is a startup. Everything is a, is, is a startup. And sometimes I'm like, what about creating a business that is valuable and sustainable and is making an impact in your community? Because I think sometimes the culture around, especially serial startup or of just picking up something and then letting it go if in two in one year is not, you know, become a unicorn. I don't like that. And there's not enough talk about entrepreneurship and enterprise and at least in some environments especially here in the u.s it's always oh i'm making a startup i'm making a startup and sometimes i'm like it's you're making a business an enterprise and that's a good thing also like there it doesn't have to be a, a digital startup necessarily so that's kind of the thing that i would like to hear more and, and talk more the jargon it's kind of difficult because I understand where it comes from, but I would like for people, especially in business, to be more cautious with the word resilience and resilience because I think that sometimes it's been overused. But maybe it's because the first time that I have seen and used those words when, when I was doing research in refugee camps with refugees and talking about the development and the training of resilience in those contexts. And so um, sometimes I think that uh, we use that in business for something that it's a normal failure or something that normally happens and you manage to find a way to work from get over it or not work from there and still continue but not necessarily sometimes I feel at least it's at least in Italy I'm not sure here in the states but in Italy is a very big buzzword everything is about everyone is resilient and everything is about uh, resilience right these days another important aspect of startup life is what should founders be focusing on and what are most founders focused on instead? And that's something that was touched upon by John Darbyshire in episode 47. Oh boy, that's a good one. Typically, those expressions are around young entrepreneurs that are focused on the value of their company and how much money they're raising. And there's not anything in the conversation about their customers or their product, right? It's just about how much wealth I can, I'm creating for myself. So, you know, the, I, I raised another $10 million round and I, I hate it when I hear entrepreneurs continue to focus on, on just how much money they've raised and what the value was versus the customers or product. I, I, I can't really put that into a phrase, but just that, that concept. The topic of what VCs and startup founders should be focusing on was also touched upon by Francesca Gargaglia in episode 65, although she had a slightly different perspective on it. First one that comes to my mind is for sure hyper growth. <laughs> the, the reason why is because this expression is really an obsession in the tech industry. Everybody is obsessed with hyper growth, with growing as fast as possible. And is one of, you know, the favorite words of venture capitalists, investors, when you're trying to raise money, it's like, hey, are you in a hyper growth curve? And everybody seems to consider, you know, this hyper growth path uh, the goal when you're starting a new company and i think it's starting to be a bit too much because it completely moved away the the interest the, the interest of the the industry from you know what you are building or what problem you are solving it's swift into being uh, how fast you're going and for me it's fundamentally wrong okay we have now come to our last guest 
who closes both this round on VC and startup perspective and also the whole episode. And it's somebody who has both the perspective of the actual VC and the perspective of the operator and startup founder is one of my favorite people in episode 61, Chris Lynch, aka the punk rock venture capitalist, talks about the buzzwords that are used by people with a traditional corporate background. I love the fact that he also did not miss a chance to take a little bit of a ribbing at me for my MBA and ended up actually providing a lot of thoughts as to how it happened that you find yourself uh, running, building, and leading successful startups. Almost every $10 word that a VC uses, the less experienced and the more fresh out of uh, business school they are, the more buzzwords you hear. You know, but let's see. Usually it's, well, what's the pain point you're solving for? Now it's like product-led growth, high-velocity model. Well, what does that mean, right? And when you ask them what it means, they really don't know, right? They heard about it down there in Cambridge, right? At the end of the day, companies are bought, they're not sold, right? That's a fact. And the value of those companies is determined by the size of the addressable market of the problem you go solve. That's the reality. In our minds, we need to believe that we created that outcome. I haven't created any outcomes. I've had good fortune to be at the right place at the right time with the right people. And like a shark, I just keep moving my tail until I smell blood. If you stop moving your tail, you sink. So you got to keep pushing. You got to keep trying. You got to keep failing, getting up and keep going. If you believe in jargons, you know, they're all empty. The truth is inside you. It's not inside a book. You know, I tell people, you don't need HBS if you work with me, because you work with me, you're going to get the real HBS, which is heart, balls, and soul. (laughs) And that's what makes companies, that's what makes success in life, not Harvard Business School. Sorry, Dino. And by the way, I I love you and respect you, not because you went to Harvard Business School. In spite of that, well, they they were able to program you. So that's good. I'm not saying you can't get anything out of it, right? Right. But it, but it needs to enhance your brain. It shouldn't regiment it. One of the things I love about you is that, you know, you're the least Harvard Business School guy I know. And I say that as a compliment. You've got all the intellect and the education, but you're also real. You're authentic, right? You're not perfect. You don't pretend to be. It's powerful. You didn't ask this, but I'm going to ask an answer for myself. Authenticity. People put up with me and my personality, my baloney, because even when they don't like, you know, I've got somebody that I respect a lot, that's Harvard, Stanford, very well-educated, very buttoned-down person. What he says about me, he said, I love you. People have a reaction to you. Some, Some of it's positive, some of it's negative. And when somebody says something negative, like, oh, he's crazy, or he's this, or he's that, and he's you know, swears all the time. He takes his shirt off and he, you know, blah, blah, blah. He said, you need to know, Chris, there's nobody more loving, caring, trusting than Chris. Yes, he's an emotional guy, but you know what? He's authentic. He's real. And yes, now this is his Stanford Harvard way. He says, and he's coarse. So his his $10 Harvard word is I'm coarse, which means I can be an asshole because I just say it how I believe it. But people accept that from me 
not all people, but many, because I'm real. And by the way, that's what people want. They want to connect to something real. They don't have to, we don't have to all agree on everything. It's like all the political unrest in the world. The problem is we don't focus on what we agree on as the foundation to build the trust, to figure out the stuff we don't agree on because people aren't real. They're hiding who they are, what they believe, right? The bottom line is I believe most people are good and they want to do good. And you start there. And yes, you'll get disappointed sometimes. It's just a tax. And I'm willing to pay the tax of the people that betray me, that are disloyal, that are disingenuous. It's, it's just a tax, right? We've got good fortune. I do, you do, where we live, what we're able to do, how we provide a life for our families. And guess what? We pay taxes. I'm happy to pay taxes because it gives me a platform to get to do what I love with people I love and make a great living doing it. So what could I potentially have an issue with? Right? We should start there. And then let's go figure out these problems. But instead, it's you're this. No, you're that. And it's all this other baloney. And the problem is when everyone does all the finger pointing, the real charlatans get to perpetuate their bullshit. As long as we're all fighting against each other, guess what? The assholes are still in control. They used to use the TV and Budweiser. And now they use Facebook or Meta or whatever they call it. So now you got me thinking we need to prop up one of those ideas that we need to put out for everyone to think about is freedom of the press and how we create a true independent platform. Because obviously with Twitter getting bought, all we've done is transfer, right, one leg to another, but it's going to be the same old story. One person, one set of ideas, pardon the pun, trumping everyone else's. And nobody's idea is better than or worse than anybody else's. Let me share one final thought. The choice of Chrissy's answers to close part one was not casual. Chrissy's answers is the example and, and the perfect embodiment of why I ask a question to every one of my guests that on the surface may sound like sort of a funny or even like a smart ass question. And the question is, you know, what is your business jargon that drives you crazy? But when the guests take the time to think about it and they let themselves get carried away by their thoughts in the answer, we often come to something really meaningful. In Chris's case, we started out talking about MBAs and the vacuous jargon that they use. And then he very quickly shifted into what his beliefs are in what makes companies successful, in what makes the environment that he has succeeded in, and even ending up with like the idea of how he can use the power of the things that he's being able to harness for the good of society. So before we shift into the final credits, let me remind you, you find this awesome, insightful answers at the end of every one of our episodes. But most importantly, part two of the best of business jargon that drives us crazies is coming on July 4th. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, first of all, go and listen to the older episode that you may have missed. Then find a friend who may enjoy it and tell them that they should listen to it. And if you really like the show, tell your friends and post about it on social media. Every little bit helps. Make sure you're subscribed to the show on your favorite listening platform so you don't miss any episode. And if you listen on a platform that allows reviews like Apple Podcasts, Audible, Good Pods, please leave us a stellar rating and a review. Five stars all the way. 
Stick around because after the credits, I am going to play a song by Susan Cattaneo, one of Boston's best American singer-songwriters. For more information and all the links to all the episodes, go to the website. The website is al4ep.com, spelled with the number 4. You can email me at dino at al4ep.com. Make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. The handle in both places is at al4edp with the letter D. And on Facebook, look for Authentic Leadership for Everyday People. This episode was produced by me, Dino Cattaneo, with additional edits by Pro Podcast Solutions. It was recorded remotely using Squadcast.fm. The theme music was composed, produced, and arranged by Nicolas Cattaneo, who also played keyboards and drums with Tony Savarino on guitar and Jesse Williams on bass. As promised, here is a song by Susan Cattaneo. It's called Wrecking Ball, and it may need to become the official ending song for all the Jargon episodes. Enjoy. Inside. Uh-huh.